Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to church in this uh, early stages of the new year. It's great to be together. And, um, you know, it was great to see Meg up there on the screen. She is the manager of our Granary Care Centre and um, she does a great job. And um, this, although there is coming a Sunday in a few weeks' time, as you saw, where the idea is that after church, you just pop down to the centre um, come and have a look. There'll be people showing you around. Um, you can have a look at the unit upstairs that we're in the middle of renovating and and you can just, you know, talk to people about the vision of what's happening down there. You can see the artwork from many of our granary artists. In fact, our curator of our art team down there, Harad, is here. Give everyone a wave, Harad. There she is. So a lot of our granary artists, not all of them, but a lot of them have got works hanging on the wall it's it's going to be great but actually this tuesday is the opening day so you're actually welcome to come down and encourage the staff down there on tuesday yes you can buy a coffee and you can also see the food care program at work so um if you if you're free tuesday pop down and um we would love to see you all down there so how many people ever listen to a joel Austin podcast any of you Oh, a few people, good. Yeah, Audrey and I are Joel Osteen fans. And um, he always starts with a joke. And so apologies to those that have heard this one. You'll know where it came from. So there's a, uh, there was a farmer uh, living out in a fairly remote place on many acres of land. And, uh, you know, he had sheep and had working dogs and so on. And one day a stray dog turned up on his doorstep. And they, you know, they, they were miles from anywhere, so they, they gave this dog a feed and um, hopeful thought, oh, hopefully it'll just move on the next day. So anyway, the next morning, the dog's there again, you know, looking at it, up at them, wagging its tail. And the wife says, look, our dogs are working dogs. We really can't have this dog here as well. Um, you're going to have to take it away somewhere and, you know, it'll find somewhere else to live. So um, the farmer puts it in the back of his pickup truck and takes it out into the forest just a kilometre or so away. And then he drives back, but when he turns into the driveway, the dog's beaten him back to his house. You know, the dog's already there. And so his wife says, I thought I told you to take the dog. And he said, I did, but it came back, said, right, tomorrow you've got to take it even further away. It's too close where you dropped it. So the next day, puts it in the back of the pickup truck, drives it a few kilometres down the road, leaves it in the forest, gets home, and then a few hours later, there's the dog again. And the wife is just getting a bit angry about this and says, look, I, you've got to take that dog a long way away, take it at night if you want so that it can't find its way back, and uh, you really, we don't want it back. So anyway, that evening, puts the dog in the pickup truck, he drives away, and just to make sure, he drives around in circles a few times around the forest where he is. Then he puts the dog out and the dog turns up at home. But the husband doesn't. And the next thing you know, the wife gets a phone call. Is the dog there by any chance? And she says, yes. He says, can you put him on? Because I'm lost. 
Thank you, Joel. <laughs> Got a laugh out of that one. Let's pray. Father God, when we come to thinking about lostness, Lord, so like all of us at one time, we were lost, Father. We were lost without you. We didn't have Jesus in our lives or the Holy Spirit, Lord. We didn't have your word of truth. But you found us and you reached out to us, Lord. And rather than, you know, sending us away, you welcomed us in and you brought us home, home to your family, home to our destiny in you. And Lord, today we pray that there will be people in this place that come home, come home spiritually, come home to the family of God. And we pray as well, Lord God, that you will help us to be people who reach out and shine your light, that people might see that light and be drawn home. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in week seven of our, our uh, series on the book of Acts. And Sam preached a great uh, message last week on that uh, about a sorcerer who uh, was involved in occult practices and who heard the good news about Jesus and became a Christian. He got filled with the Holy Spirit, but no, he and then he wanted to buy the the power to lay hands on people and and transmit the Holy Spirit. Um, so he, you know, when he became a Christian, he didn't become perfect. He still had issues and things going on. And today we're a few chapters on from there. That was chapter eight in Acts. Today we're on um, chapter thirteen. And again, it's another story about uh, about the gospel being preached and about a sorcerer. But this one actually has a hard heart and doesn't respond positively to the good news about Jesus. So we, we will sort of unpack that as we go. But the whole book of Acts, as I um, prepared for today, I, I listened to the first 12 chapter of Acts being read, and I realized that the whole book of Acts has this repeated pattern of uh, what things that are happening after the Holy Spirit comes upon the church in Acts chapter 2. So the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and then there's a series of what I'm calling power encounters. They're encounters between the message and the presence of Jesus Christ and the lost world, the world that doesn't know anything about Jesus, the world that has never experienced the Holy Spirit, and there are these power encounters and different things happen, but there's generally some sort of opposition and pushback that happens. But the, but the pattern sort of goes like this. The Holy Spirit came on the church, Acts chapter 2. The result was they went out speaking in tongues and preaching the good news about Jesus. Even in their speaking in tongues, that's what they were doing, telling the glories of God. And then... The church is born. So on that day in Acts chapter 2, the church was born and God added thousands to their number and, and there are summaries that say they met together, they fellowshiped, they worshipped, they ate meals together and so on. And this beautiful thing called the church was born. And then what happens, the church sends out people to share this good news. And as um, Sam said last week, you know, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, from, you know, Mayfield, what did Sam say, to uh, even to Queensland, I think. It got as far as Queensland. But anyway, the, there's this repeating pattern. And 
behind it all is the the power and presence of the Holy Spirit who is empowering the church, growing the church both in numbers and in maturity, and then empowering the church to reach out to the lost in different situations. So today we come into chapter 12 of the book of Acts where, where there's, there is a story of the whole cycle of this happening. But, but, but before we get into that, I want to tell you a couple of stories. Like last week, Sam preached about the very first mission trip that came out of this church to India. And he, he showed you a photo of the team and so on, and it was, was really nice. But I, I just happened to know that behind every mission trip that we've taken over there, there has been a lot of prayer and a lot of covering them with prayer, binding up the spiritual forces of evil that they would come against because there is always a power encounter when the good news about Jesus is preached. It's a spiritual encounter in the spiritual realm, but it's a physical encounter as well. And I know I just was chatting with Pastor Sue earlier on, and I know that a, a couple of the trips especially experienced incredible power encounters. There was one where the granary team were up on the stage and hundreds or thousands sometimes of people listening to them, sharing their testimonies and talking about how Jesus had changed their lives. And there was one where there was this threat of um, someone came and said, hey, you guys, we need to take you because there's a threat. People are threatening to throw acid at you when you preach. And so they had to deal with that. They had to respond to that. And, you know, they, they, there was this power encounter going on there between the spirits that controlled their religion and the spirit of God. And, you know, they, there was this, this huge battle that was happening. Now, we know that Jesus has won that power encounter. We know that when he died on the cross and rose again, that the enemy was defeated. Can I have a Thank you. Good. We know that. And our, and our confession is important, you know. Our confession that Jesus is the victor and that the enemy is defeated, that's an important confession. That's what we need to hear coming out of our mouths. But in my own personal experience, the first overseas mission trip I went on was with a group of kids from a local school. He might be a bit upset. It was, it was before the days of uh, risk assessments. That's it was before those days, we sort of did a mental sort of thing, but was nowhere near as thorough as these days. So anyway, we fly to Papua New Guinea. So we fly into, um, into the capital city there, and then we fly to the coast, a place called Alatau, which is the nearest thing to a wild west town that I've ever been in. And we're supposed to pick up this ferry from there and go up the coast of Milne Bay, up to this, uh, this outreach that we were going to do, which was really in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing up there, just a, an Anglican sort of church with a, a village around it. Anyway, it turns out that this big ferry that was supposed to take us was a big boat, you know. I mean, it, it, it takes goods and passengers all up and down the coast. But the ferry was broken. You know, in Papua New Guinea, things are broken a lot. That just if you've been there, you'll know what I mean. But the ferry was broken. So the leader of our mission, Father Ken, he says, that's all right, I'll get us there. So it's mid-afternoon. Anyway, somehow he rustles up a truck, like a big builder's truck, 
Father Ken sits in the front with the driver. The 12 of us sit in the back just of this open tipper truck sitting on our bags, you know, and um, off we go. We just drive off into the, into the, the bush. And as we go, um, you know, it's pretty bumpy and it gets a bit uncomfortable. So I don't know, some of you would know that ABC Newcastle has a presenter called Dan Cox. So Dan was in year 12 at that time. And Dan pulls out his guitar and starts leading us in worship. And away we go, bumping our way through the bush, not, not knowing any idea where we were going in the back of this thing, just worshipping the Lord. And we probably didn't realise it at the time, but worship is spiritual uh, power, isn't it? I mean, worship is, is spiritual battle. It is. It pushes back the darkness. And we worshipped and, and, you know, the time went away and probably about 10 o'clock at night we came to the end of the road. And it was just this little grass hut village in the jungle. And we got out of the truck a bit stiff and sore. Father Ken went and sat around the campfire with some of the elders. They all chewed a bit of betel nut together, which is, you know, the equivalent of a couple of whiskeys, I guess, you know. And he negotiated that we could, we could use or rent a couple of little tinnies that they had with outboard motors on them to take us the next leg of the journey because there were no roads. So the next leg of the journey, we six of us piled all our luggage into one boat, six into the other boat. When I say boat, they're like whatever, 14-foot tinnies. And away we go out into the open ocean in the middle of the night, pitch black, no moon, into the like with these kids. And we're just having a great time, it's so much fun, you know, scooting along, the stars are out, it's beautiful. And at this, there was this amazing phenomenon and the word phosphorescence is really what it was. As we went cut through the water, the water glowed with this phosphorescent green colour. Um, there's like an algae that apparently when it's stirred, it, it glows green and it, it just lit up all around the boats as they, as they skimmed along. Anyway, every now and again, we're about 500 metres or a kilometre out in the open ocean. You'd just see a, a, a fire on the beach every now and again where there was a village. There was nothing there. The motor in our boat starts going... <laughs> and it just dies, you know. So we're out there. This is about midnight now. This motor just dies and we're out there. There's no oars or anything, you know. <laughs> Why do you need oars? You've got an engine. And the, um, the driver has a look around, unscrews the petrol cap. Oh, no petrol. <laughs> great. You know, great. So anyway, we're all just going, oh, God, 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 help us, Lord. What do we do here? And I'm praying, God, help me to get these six kids, you know, safe to safety and keep my job and, you know, and, and my life probably when the parents find out about it. Anyway, we're praying and, and the other tinny just happened to come roaring by, help, help, you know, and they stopped. They did the uh, very efficient transfer of petrol, you know, in, into, our, into our petrol cans. Some of you oldies have done that. I know I have. We've, we lived through that. And away we went and about 2 a.m. we get to this beach that the boats pull in and at that stage we think, oh, we're here, we get off the boats and they say, yeah, look, the, the um, church and the accommodation are up on the plateau up there. And so, 
at 2am, we're carting our luggage up this hill, you know, onto the plateau. But the thing is this, there was something that did not want us to get to that place. There was something that was trying to, everything we, to try and stop us from getting to that place. And it became evident as night by night, as we ministered, we led worship and just the kids shared their stories about how they came to know Jesus. And on the last night, the word had gotten out around the different villages that, you know, things were happening in this place and people just came out of the bush, hundreds and hundreds of them, to see what was happening. And we, we just led, we had some worship and um, we were lost in worship. And, you know, when I opened my eyes, because I just started to hear some sobbing, I looked around and there were people everywhere just sobbing. There were people in the trees outside trying to look in and this sort of thing. And I looked around and here was, you know, one of my kids was um, leading a group of, of young people to, to Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and praying with them over here. And over here there was one of our worship people just sitting there and worshipping with a little group. And over over at the back there was a couple of groups that were praying deliverance over some people. This is like year 10, 11 and 12 kids, right? And they're just praying for the spirit to come out of these people. And I tell you, there was manifestations. You could see that there was a spiritual battle going on and people got set free, people got born again, people got healed. It was just one of the most amazing things, experiences I've ever had. But it was a power encounter with the kingdom of darkness. Sue often speaks about the two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, and they're very real. They're very real. I think in this country perhaps sometimes we um, overemphasize the academic and mental parts of our our faith and we don't realize that there's a true spiritual battle that needs to be fought and needs to be won. And it's one in worship. It's one in prayer. It's one where we're all in unity together. And so having said those things, let's come and explore this, um, this spiritual story of the church and and what happened in the book of Acts. So we're in Acts chapter 13, and I'll read through the uh, first 12 verses. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at Elymas and said, 
you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So here we have this story, and you can see that it's a power encounter. There's a battle here between the forces of darkness, represented by Elimas the sorcerer, the one who was practicing occult practices, and the, the um, apostles who were sharing the good news. Now, in verse 1, we read, in the church, in the church. This whole thing begins in the church. The gospel is embodied in the church. It's here when we meet together, we are the people that God has entrusted with this good news. You know, he hasn't entrusted it out there to the, to the RSL club or the Lions club. As much as they do great work and things like that, he has entrusted this good news and this power of the Holy Spirit to his church. And in this church, it's when we gather together that that power is built up in us, that, we, that the Holy Spirit is with us and comes, and we're going to, going to have an opportunity for that to happen a bit later. But in the church, now, during COVID, a lot of people got out of the habit of being in the church. And we, we all sort of did our best, didn't we, to listen to podcasts and watch online church and so on. And some pe for some people, that's the only way they can do church because of illness or, or because of age and infirmity and so on. And so the, in the internet, the, the um, podcasts and so on, they're all a blessing. They, that's, that's been a wonderful thing. And for, for a lot of people, that is a blessing. But let me just say this, if you are able to get to church, and especially for people listening on the podcast, there is no replacement for being here in person. There is no replacement for coming and having prayer, for worshipping together live, for the fellowship that we enjoy. There is no replacement for that. It's, a, it's, it's good to watch, it's good to have the online, but it is a very long second place to being here and being the church. And not only because of what we receive, but because of what we contribute. Everyone here has something to contribute. And, you know, it's hard in a big gathering like this. You know, you think, oh, yeah, the band contribute and the welcomers. But, um, but you know, what about at your connect groups? Everyone contributes. What about when you just encourage someone who's sitting next to you, when you greet someone in the greeting time? We, it's all about the real life of the church and contributing. We are all called to be contributors. And the, verse 2 says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they were, you know, they, there was this live interaction thing happening. They were fasting. Actually, the, the, the translation of that verse is not just while they were worshipping the Lord, but while they were ministering to the Lord. 
That's what the worshipping means there. They were ministering to the Lord just like priests of the Old Testament ministered to God by sacrifices. So in worship and praise, they were ministering to the Lord, just blessing him, giving him glory and honour. And after they had been, you know, the Holy Spirit said to them, the Holy Spirit spoke in that setting as we worship together, as we minister to the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks. And in this case, he said, I'm going to send off a couple of guys in mission. And uh, as Sam pointed out to us last week from Acts 1.8, the power that comes upon us when the Holy Spirit comes on us is so that we can be his witnesses. Now, remember, it doesn't say do witnessing. It says be his witnesses. It's who we are. It's who we are. And out of who we are comes what we do and what we say, but it's who we are. We become his witnesses. We can't help it because there is a joy that people should see in us. There is a peace in the midst of all of the anxiety and and the um, issues that beset our, our society. There is an ownership of the good news about Jesus, an ownership of our salvation that we know is hope. It gives us hope. There is no matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens around about us, no matter what happens to the finances and all the fighting and the wars and so on, we know that we have a hope that one day there will be a time where we will be with the Lord and there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow. You know, it's who we are. But in the midst of that, those settings in our life, like in our family and in our businesses and in our neighbourhood and in our social settings, the opportunities will arise to be his witnesses, to be a witness. There are people in here who are gifted evangelists. Denise is one. Like she can just tell you so many stories about leading people to know Jesus. And I'm not saying we are all going to be gifted evangelists. I'm not saying that. But every Christian who has been touched by the Holy Spirit becomes a witness. And how we live our life and our confession, the things we speak, the joy we carry, the peace we carry becomes our witness. We have a message that is not just for us. This message about Jesus is for our community. And, you know, let, let's say you drop into 252 next week and you happen to sit down and get chatting with someone and they start telling you some stories of their life. There's an opportunity there, folks. There's an opportunity to just pray with someone, just to sit down. So many, most people, when you say to them, wow, I really feel for you, can I pray for you? Most people, Christian or not, will say yes. That's, that's the way it is, and they, they're happy to be. It shows love and care for that person. And we need to take those opportunities. Now, look, I, I'm not saying here I'm a paragon of virtue because I fail in this often. Just a couple of weeks ago, Audrey and I were down in Sydney with some of our kids and grandkids, and we were crossing the road from Paddy's Market there across towards Chinatown, if some of you have been there, you can picture it. The um, light rail runs through there. 
And Audrey happened to trip over a gutter that was there. So we're sitting on this bench and next to us is, is this couple having an argument. He's sitting on the bench and she's sort of in his face like this, telling him off. And it just went on and on and on. Like she just kept going and then she'd walk away and come back. And, and look, ladies, it could have been the other way around. I'm not being sexist here. It could have been the other way around. Just happened that in this one incident, it was the wife telling the husband off. So she just keeps going. And in my heart, I just had this sense, pray for these guys. Pray for them, you know. And I, I'm just thinking, nah, that's ridiculous. That'd be ridiculous. Anyway, Audrey, when I talked to her about it, said she had the same prompting. Pray for those guys. Say again? Yeah, but she, she had a sore knee, so she, she had an excuse. But I had no excuse. But we, um, we didn't do it, you know, and, and both of us now just know that we should have done that. And I said, you know, we have to be able to look at each other and just nod our head and go, let's go, let's do it, let's just offer to pray. What's the worst they can do? Say no, you know, so that's all right. Uh, but we should have prayed in that situation. And you know what? There, there are power encounters like this in all of our lives. It's not just when a team goes out on mission trips. We are all on mission. We are all missionaries. Mission means sent. A missionary is the sent one. And Jesus has sent all of us. If you've received the Holy Spirit, then you're a sent one. You're a part of his kingdom sent into the world to be his witness. And you know, we need, I just want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself, let's take these opportunities. Let's be an inviter. Let's be a prayer and let's see God do amazing things in us and through us. Ian, I, I want us to move on to the slide with verse 11 and 12 on it. So chapter 13, verse 11 and 12, because this is the outcome of this power encounter where the sorcerer tries to stop the good news being told to the Roman head of the province, Sergius Paulus. And this sorcerer, Elimas, he says, you know, don't listen to these Christians. You don't listen to them because he'd been the one that had been getting all the attention, doing tricks and doing all sorts of things. And in actual fact, they were in a city called Paphos at that time. And Paphos was a place which was infamous uh, this is Barclay that says this, infamous for its worship of Venus, the goddess of sexual love. One of the early church fathers said this about Paphos. He said its religion was the deification of lust. In other words, lust was made God. Lust became the most important thing in people's lives. Spurgeon, the great preacher Spurgeon, said this, neither men nor women could resort to the shrine of Venus without being defiled in mind and depraved in character. So there was, there was this culture in that place where the, the society had been sexualized, where there was many, many occult things happening, chances to opportunities to get involved in occult practices and especially in, uh, you know, the society was becoming highly sexualized. And then this person, Bar-Jesus, Bar meaning the son, the son of Jesus, was he the son of Jesus? No way. 
no more than Bar Abbas. Barabbas was the son of the father, Bar Abba, son of the father, when they called for Jesus to be crucified. These names are, they're counterfeit. You know, you can, you can have a name that sounds like everything's really good and, and, and wholesome and so on, but behind it is this wickedness. And does, does, that, does it remind you of any other society? where there's occult things going on all around and a society is becoming sexualized. Does it remind you of anywhere close to home? It should, because if not, we need to open our eyes and look around us. When was the last time you went to a market and there wasn't a tarot card reader or a psychic there? Huh? When was the last time you opened a newspaper that didn't have the star signs in it that told you what's going to happen to you this week? Tall, dark, handsome stranger. How many have you met lately? Oh, yeah. Don't talk about that. Palm reading, astrology, Ouija boards, new age practices, drugs and alchemy. It's all around us. It's all around us. And our society is becoming highly sexualized. And this is the... This is the opportunity that we have to fight back, to have power encounters. And you're on the, you are on the winning team. The followers of Jesus are the winning team, okay? There might be pushback. There might be things that, try, that you know, come against you, but you're on the winning team. Never forget that. And God can use a stumble to get someone onto a seat in order to pray for someone. You might think of, of your life and see that there are some bad things. God can bring good out of that. God can work to bring an opportunity or, or a, a, a prayer or a confession out of you that will, that will bring good. So verses 11 and 12, Paul says, you're going to be blind for a while. And, you know, you might think that's a bit harsh. Well, this is Paul who God knocked off his horse and Paul had been blinded by God himself, by Jesus, for a while. And anyway, that stopped his influence on the governor And here's the result. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. God confirmed the preaching with signs and wonders, and it was, but it was the preaching of the gospel that says here, the teaching about the Lord was what converted the governor. The teaching about the Lord. This message that we have, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation, Romans 1.16. So let's not, be, let's not be pushed around by our culture, by our society. You know, we don't have to be arrogant about it. We're not triumphalist in our attitudes. But humbly, let's just realise that the truth is the truth and it changes lives and it saves people. It draws people into their destiny just like God has drawn us into our destiny And we are the carriers of this amazing truth. But one more thing. Last slide, thanks, Ian. This all happened because the Holy Spirit was an integral part of all of this. The Holy Spirit came on the church. These guys were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were led by the Holy Spirit. And we can see that Jesus, before he left this earth, said to his disciples, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So remember last week, St. Paul said the Spirit can be on you, with you, in you and through you. So he breathed on them. 
the Holy Spirit came on them back then. But in Acts chapter 2, they were baptised in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit flooded them and it flowed out through them. And they flowed out in, in spiritual gifts, especially the gift of tongues. So that happened in Acts chapter 2. What happens two chapters later? Whoa, the ha- after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, two chapters later, and here they are getting filled with the Holy Spirit again. And what was the result? They spoke the word of God boldly. And then in Ephesians 5, chapter 18, we read this. Instead, don't be filled with wine. That's the first half of the verse. Instead, keep on being filled with the Spirit. And that keep on being filled is in the, in the Greek language, it's what we call a present continuous tense. It's If it was to be sort of put in colloquial English, it would be be being filled. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. You know, the, the disciples needed that. We need that. We need, like we've sung about it this morning, but, you know, Let's just desire that. Let's desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, worship team, you can come up and let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to do this whatever way he wants to in our church, in this church. Maybe it will be to send out some, to call some people and lay hands on them and send them out. Maybe it will be through just through people just starting to step up and saying, I am going to share with that person at work that has an issue that I, I want to pray for them. And um, just let God loose and, and see what he does. And we'll see amazing things happening, just like the amazing things in here. Let's, let's stand together and let's pray and make this our declaration. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your Rema word, which is spoken often by the prophets, and your Logos word, your Bible word, which is taught by the teachers. And we thank you, Lord, that we know that word says that on the cross, Jesus won the victory, that he triumphed over death and hell, took away our sin and sickness and emotional issues. Father, we thank you for that divine exchange on the cross and the victory that was won when Jesus rose from the dead. Lord, we speak out, greater is he that is in me. Say that, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We thank you for that, Father. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. We submit to Christ and resist the devil. We submit to you, Jesus, and we resist the devil. We resist the enemy and we will see him flee from us. Father, we thank you that on the cross, Jesus made a public spectacle of every demon in hell, every demon on this earth, and led them in triumphal procession that they were bound by Jesus, the King of Kings. Father, thank you that the spiritual battle, the spiritual war has been won And, Lord, help us to be confident in the battles that will come our way, in the power encounters that will come our way, that we can be confident in you, that you are truth and your truth will prevail. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.